Welcome to the Adaptive Special Needs Career Podcast, where our mission is to inspire others towards a career working with the adaptive special needs population. If the podcast is helpful to you, please consider writing a review, rating it, and sharing it on social media. You never know how a simple review or share on social media could lead someone into picking a career working with the special needs population. Today, I am so excited. We are doing a special interview with Gretchen Owen. And uh, Gretchen, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do? Sure. Um, So I'm Gretchen Owens. I'm the executive director of EDD Adaptive Sports. And as our name suggests, we are an adaptive sports organization. We coordinate sports and recreation programs for both kids and adults with disabilities. And um, one of the unique things about our organization is that we try very intentionally to cast a broad net. Um, So we don't you know, some organizations only serve people with a specific kind of disability. We are intentionally very broad. Um, if folks have a physical disability, developmental disability, whatever, um, they are welcome to come and participate in our programs and see if they're a good fit for them. And the whole motto or, you know, impetus behind our organization is really to share the fun of sports with individuals with disability and help to break down some of the barriers to access. So to make simple adaptations or just to create an environment that's welcoming and a little less intimidating maybe than an intense competition kind of environment. We really try to inspire our athletes to want to come back and play with us again um, and really try to focus on that aspect of sports or physical activity being fun. So that's, that's a little bit of an intro of us. I love your mission and I love what your organization does. Where is it based out of? So we're based in Williston, Vermont, which is in Northern Vermont. And we also have a strong program in central New York. We actually started the organization in Oneonta, New York, which is my hometown. And I'll go ahead and tell you our founding story because it's, it's a great one. So EDD Adaptive Sports was created in memory of Eric Douglas Dettenrieder. That's where the EDD comes from. And Eric was my brother. He was an avid sportsman, an outdoorsman, just an all-around fun, jovial, wonderful guy. And unfortunately, Eric died in his early 20s in a skiing accident. But skiing was his passion. He spent countless hours skiing everywhere he could, you know, on the East Coast, any chance he had to ski anywhere else he was, whether it was out West or when he spent a year in Germany, he made sure to find time and opportunities to to ski everywhere that he was. And his passion for skiing was evident. You know, I had the good luck to ski with him many times as a kid, as we were growing up. And I just always kind of marveled at how just what a natural he was and how he made it look so easy and fun because it did not feel easy or fun to me <laughs> at the time. So when when Eric died, we decided it was a group of family and friends that got together and we just knew right away that we wanted to do something to carry on his legacy, his love for life. And we decided to focus on his love of sports and in particular sharing his love of sports with people who couldn't easily access sports. And when we started the organization in 1998, we didn't 
know that we were getting into adaptive sports at first. We were, you know, really just just trying to do something to keep his legacy going and to to keep his name alive. But really quickly, we realized that kids with disabilities just don't have the same access to sports that kids in the general population do. So we we figured out that this is where we really want to make an impact and pretty quickly began to focus our work with kids with disabilities. And later on, we expanded to include adults with disabilities. And over the last 25 years, we've expanded significantly the type of programs that we offer. So now we do some team sports like soccer and basketball. We do a few competitive programs. Our skiing program is actually our one competitive program, and that's directly connected to Eric's love for skiing and ski racing. And then we also do a lot of lifetime sports, which are things like pickleball, biking, yoga, rowing, kayaking is a new sport that we're adding this summer. So really taking a broad view of just helping people get out and be active, be physically active, but also enjoying doing an activity with other people in a supportive setting. That's incredible. What an amazing legacy that is taking place and and helping, I'm sure, so many people that have disabilities where you are. I would love to see your organization come to Texas. Do you have any plans to expand? We don't currently have plans to expand. So I mentioned we're in central New York in northern Vermont. And right now our focus is just on providing great programming in both of those locations throughout the year. So we have, you know, more than monthly offerings in both of those locations. Right now we are starting our summer program. So we've got pickleball events coming up both in New York, in Oneonta and in uh, Essex, Vermont this weekend. And that's kicking off multiple pickleball sessions in both locations. We've got a rowing program happening right now in Cooperstown and we'll have more opportunities later in the summer. So Right now, we don't have plans to expand, but it is, you know, one of the things that is key to our success are partnerships. And we are always open to partnering with other folks, whether they're in our neighborhood or in other parts of the country. And actually, a fun, you know, a fun offshoot of the pandemic has been figuring out how to virtually connect with other athletes in different locations and other organizations, you know. So I wouldn't rule out the possibility of of doing something together in the future. That's great. So how long have you been the executive director of the sports program? So I've been the executive director for more than a decade. We, our organization started out simply as a volunteer driven organization. And about 15 years ago, I started working part-time for the organization. And at first it was just in a role as fundraising because that was where our need was at the time. But it quickly evolved to include fundraising and program development and administrative stuff. There's always stuff to keep track of and data to keep track of. That's very important in our organization. And um, so the, the role has kind of grown over the last few years. And it's probably been 10 years that I've been in the executive director role. Got it. So before you started in that role, which I know you started in a part-time role, what were you doing before that? Did you have a career or what did that look like? Yeah. So I was working for a larger nonprofit organization called U.S. Action in Washington, D.C., and I was doing development and fundraising work for them. And uh, that's kind of where I cut my teeth on fundraising and a lot of just how does a nonprofit organization work. And when as a as a young professional, when I, I have a bachelor's degree in music and after 
I graduated, you know, like a lot of young people, I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do, but I knew I was compelled to work in the nonprofit field, even though I didn't have education in the nonprofit field. So that's what led me to U.S. Action, and it was a great learning opportunity for me. And I was there for about two years before I I made the jump to start working for EDD. That's great. You so you mentioned you were just compelled to work in the nonprofit sector. So, can you tell us a little bit about that journey? Of you know, you 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 graduated college, and something was compelling you to go into the nonprofit world. And the reason I ask that is because I'm sure many of our listeners, you know, they may be in a similar path as you, where they have their degree, and maybe they just they just don't know where to go next. And so, I'm I'm curious for you. What were some of the deciding factors that said, I'm going to go work in the nonprofit sector? Sure. I think it was, for me, it was really connected to everything that had happened in my life leading up to that point. Losing my brother when I was, I think I was 20, when Eric died, was obviously had a huge impact on me and really made me focus on what, what was important in my life. And I've, I would say I've always been drawn to helping others or you know connecting with others but having a loss like that in your life really kind of solidifies your priorities right and made me realize my family is the number one important thing to me my family and my friends I'll say and making time and space for them in my life but also finding a career that would help me to feel like I was having a positive impact on the world I didn't uh, you know I didn't feel compelled to go into banking or go to law school or something like that. I really wanted to feel like the work that I was doing every day was directly having a positive impact on other people in our country and in the world. That was that was really important to me as a young person. So um I, you know, I I just decided and it, it was not a financially based decision for sure, but it was just a decision that this is this is what I want to focus on. And it was, you know, kind of tough to figure out how do I get into this? But fortunately, there are many different entry points to getting into the nonprofit sector. And oftentimes people will volunteer for an organization and realize, oh, this is a great mission. I want to be connected to this and I want to do more. So I, you know, one thing I would say thinking about other people who are possibly considering a career in the nonprofit field, whether it's, you know, nonprofit management or providing direct services to people is go and volunteer for an organization that does something similar and see how it feels, see what you enjoy, you know, see what the challenges are. So you can go in, you know, to it with, with some more information, with your eyes more wide open. And there are certainly plenty of volunteer opportunities out there. Almost every nonprofit I know is eager to bring on a new volunteer. That's really good advice for our listeners. I really appreciate that. So can you tell us a little bit about what your roles and responsibilities look like as an executive director? Sure. Uh, One of the things I love about my role is that I get to wear several different hats every single day. So I, I mentioned that when I started, I was doing a lot of fundraising and then quickly program organization and development needed to come in too. So on on any given day, I am generally working on fundraising, whether it's an upcoming event that we're doing, like a 5K race or a benefit dinner or writing a grant or thanking people for a grant that we've received or thanking donors who've made a direct contribution to us. So I do something in fundraising every day. And our organization is robust enough now that I 
I do something connected to our programming every day too. And oftentimes it's a lot of that backend stuff, like just keeping track of who signed up for what, who's attended what, you know, do I have paperwork from everybody? Do I have liability forms and media permission from everybody who's participating? So there's a lot of detail work that is important to this job. And um, luckily I, I enjoy doing that kind of work. So, you know, go, zooming back out again, doing something with fundraising, something with program development. And then generally, um, I'm also connecting with our volunteers, whether it's our board members who are our leadership or the volunteers who help to implement our programs. I do a lot of communication with that group too, um, individually and, you know, via email or, or e-newsletter blast kind of thing. So I think the three big things that I do are fundraising, program development, and communication. And then the the kind of underlying all of that is lots of detail work to to stay on track of all of those things. Well, you weren't kidding when you said you wear a lot of hats. Wow. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you really do. Um, that's it really is a leadership role that you're in. And um that's that's what I've found running running several businesses is that when you're in a leadership role on a high level, you're going to always be wearing multiple hats and especially in a nonprofit when you're trying to, you're trying to cut costs and you're trying to preserve cash. You know, it, it may not make economical sense to go hire five other people when you can just do it all yourself. Right. 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 So what would you say is the most rewarding and fun part of your job as an executive director? Oh, definitely making connections with other people. So fortunately I get to attend a lot of our programs and just getting to know our athletes and our volunteers is fantastic because they're all really interesting people and they, they all have compelling stories too. So just connecting with people, I think is my favorite thing. And a neat thing that I've discovered over the years is that even, so I I mentioned our athletes and our volunteers, but I love connecting with the people who support our organization too. Our donors are amazing people, not just because they're generous and they support us and give us money, but because they're, they're really interesting and caring, compassionate people that are, you know, moved by our mission or connected to somebody in our program. And I just love getting to know a little bit more about that and what motivates them to be connected to our organization. So it's funny. I was thinking as I was prepping for this, Daniel, I was thinking about when I was a younger person, I really cringed when I thought about networking. Like I did not like even the sound of that word. Like that just sounded like the the worst thing that I would ever want to do. But now, you know, 20 years into my career, that really is one of my very favorite things is, is getting to know new people and realizing like, oh, you know, that other person who runs a great organization down the road from us, what could we do together? And how could we maximize our impact if we all you know, came together to do something. Or if you shared my information with your clients, maybe they'll start coming to my program. And, you know, all of those, that, that personal network or that social network that has become a huge part of all of our lives now is really an important aspect to our business because all of that word of mouth connection is, is great advertising for us. And it's also, just helps our organization to stay relevant and and interesting and alive. So if I could summarize everything you just said, you basically the most rewarding and fun part of what you do is just loving people. I mean, you obviously, yeah, clearly lo- you just love people. You love networking. You love uh, the donors hearing their stories and 
I think that's important for our audience to know too, is that you better have a love for people if you're going to get into this nonprofit sector, because I know a lot of people that they would say, I'm not a people person. And for those people, this is probably not the right avenue for them. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think don't be afraid to communicate with people. Or I guess what I mean by that is don't be afraid to pick up the phone and directly talk to someone. Sometimes I feel like with all the technology and communication tools that we have at our disposal right now, I oftentimes in my work, I get overwhelmed. I was like, oh my gosh, I got to send out the e-newsletter and then I have to get on our social media and update the social media. And then, oh, there's that other platform where we have some information too. Maybe I should send something out there. And I feel like I'm communicating all this information out, but it's just going out. There's no coming back in to know like who's receiving it and what it means to them. So just picking up the phone and talking to people is is really powerful. And, and some people don't think to do that anymore. I think that, um, you know, that's, that's a challenge that I've discovered recently is that some people just don't want to get on the phone anymore, but you can really, that's a great way to make that connection with people and to, you know, hear some of those stories, but also, I don't know, just, just make a deeper connection, I think. Yeah. So just um, one last question for you. So we've talked about just the things that are really rewarding about what you do. What are some of the challenges that you face in your role as an executive director? Yeah, I just mentioned all those uh, technology platforms. Uh Um, That's definitely one of the challenges, staying on top of ever-changing communications tools and technology tools, uh, you know, could be a whole job in itself. Um, So that's a challenge for me. I think another challenge is flexibility, particularly working with folks in the special needs community. It takes an extra level of flexibility in patients because things just come up, you know, just, just as families, things come up, right. And sometimes you'll sign up for a program and suddenly you can't go for whatever reason, but there, there are more complications and more barriers for families with kids with disabilities or just individuals living with disabilities. Some things are just exponentially harder for them. So you can't predict, you know, is it a good day? Is it a bad day? Did so-and-so have a seizure in the morning so they can't come this afternoon or, you know, something else happened and they don't have the transportation to get there. So it's, it's definitely taken me a long time to realize like, gosh, I just have to always have to be flexible and always need to be ready to adapt to a changing situation. Cause I might have 10 people signed up and have my volunteers all ready to go, but suddenly five of them can't come because they live in a group house and they're on lockdown now because someone's quarantining for COVID. So just that flexibility and patience is very important in this profession too. That's good. Well, Gretchen, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. You've had some really good information and um, just personally, I have to say that you're an incredible leader, just hearing you talk and hearing you talk from your heart. You're just an incredible leader and you really have a gifting on you. I mean, you really, I can tell that you really just fit this role so well as being the executive director and um, you just really share from your heart and you're very well-spoken as well. Thank you. (laughs) I don't know if you do public speaking or not with your fundraising, but if you don't, you need to. I do a little bit, but yeah, (laughs) once or twice a year, I'm on the hook for that. That's good. Well, Gretchen, thank you so much again for your time and being on our show. And just real quick, where can, where can our audience learn more about your organization? Maybe they want to donate. Maybe they just want to see what you do. Where can they get information about that? Yeah. Anyone can find more information about us online at eddfund.org. And you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram And yeah, we would love to either welcome more people into our 
virtual community, or if you happen to be in central New York or Vermont, check us, check us out and see what programs are coming up in the next few months. We'd love to see you in person too. So thanks for the invitation to be here. I've really enjoyed the conversation, Daniel. Thanks again, Gretchen. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to our Adaptive Special Needs Podcast. Join us each week as we interview professionals who serve the special needs population. If you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss an episode. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you in a few weeks.